LeadSquared is a cutting-edge CRM platform for enrollment management. With LeadSquared, you will deliver a seamless student experience, streamline admissions processes, lower costs, and increase retention. Schedule a demo at LeadSquared.com. Welcome back, everybody. It's your time to ed up on the EdUp Experience podcast, where we make education your business. Oh, boy, am I excited today. My guest co-host, she's like family um, now because of what she does. I think we must have co-hosted together maybe two or three times in the past. Um, she, her skills on the microphone have grown um, massively now. She has her own little enterprise going under the up umbrella. And um, she asked for a specific introduction today. Um, so I'm going to... I'm going to give it to her. Here she is. Hold on one second. Ladies and gentlemen, so you have to do it the right way. Ladies and gentlemen, my guest co-host today, she is the host of EdUp EdTech, Holly Owens. Yay! Thank you, Joe. It's great to be with you again. See, the, the crowd won't stop. It's, is, this a, is that an overwhelming yay or underwhelming? I think it's overwhelming. Oh, really? I thought it was a little, I thought it was a little weak. I could have probably found something better for you, you know? <laughs> well, your introductions are always so nice and I get to hear it every time, you know, I run through my recording. So thank you. And I'm excited to the guests that we have on the show today and to be back with you and to talk to people that I get to work with every day. So it's going to be a fun episode. Before you give away all of the details. I know I, I left it. I left it not clear yet. It's still muddy. Um, uh, Holly, how are you doing with EdUp EdTech? Tell us how it's going. EdUp EdTech is growing. Um, I mean, at the end of the year, I was just trying to get to 3000 views and I got there in November at the end of November. And then now I'm almost at 4,000. <laughs> I know. Right. Uh, so 4,000 now already. Yes. Wow. Yes. And I, I just dropped the first episode of the second season last week. Wow. Look so at you. Look yeah, at we're you. doing a lot of cool stuff. We're doing a lot of cool stuff. I'm not going to give everything away, but um, you should, people should uh, tune in. I got to be honest in this. I'm going to give you um, uh, some feedback, Holly. I, of all the higher education podcasts out there, you are the person that I think is the best host, including myself. I, I think you're better than I am. I, I love <laughs> your hosting and I love listening to your podcasts. I don't know what it is about you, but I, but it's just you know, the, the way you are. I, you're, I, I'm envious of you. Well, you know, I've learned a lot from you too and listening to you and Alvin over the years and Liz as well and other mm -hmm. people that have hosted and guest hosted the show. I've listened to people's podcasts and see what they're doing. And you know what? I think the most important thing is to be genuine and authentic and share your story. And that's why I do what I do. I'm going to rename this button, Holly. Yay! <laughs> it's a Holly button. Well, let's get to our guests because they're, they're just itching right now to speak. So I want to bring them in um, the right way here. Here we go, ladies and gentlemen. My first guest, um, we have two guests. My first guest, she is Chief Academic Officer at Academic Partnerships, Dr. Amanda Lynn Smith. Hi, Amanda. Hey, Joe and Holly. This is so fun, and uh, we're so excited to spend some time with you today. 
Thanks for having us. Well, of course. Well, we're going to get right to it. But before we do, let me bring in my second guest. Boy, this is just getting better and better as we as we go forward. Her name is Maria Anderson. She's general manager and CPO at Corstune. <laughs> Maria, what's happening? Oh, I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having us. Well, Holly, um, for you guys uh, listening, Holly gave me um, some questions that she wants me to ask, but I, do, I don't have them or remember what they are. And and I don't really plan what you know, because my episodes are basically train wrecks. So instead, I'll just go from the top of my head here. And Amanda, I'm going to go to you first. Um, first of all, tell us about academic partnerships for people that don't know. What is academic partnerships? And and then we'll just kick it over to Maria and talk about what is Course Tune. So let's just lay the foundation. You first, Amanda. Perfect. Um, so academic partnerships is an OPM, an online program management company. We also like to refer to ourselves as an online facilitator. Um, we primarily work with uh, public state partners, um, kind of tier two regionally accredited um, minority serving community serving institutions. Um, and really take a very differentiated approach in ensuring that our partners, our faculty are really at the helm. Um, and that we're helping our partners um, really create sustainable practices and standing up very high quality workforce relevant um, online education. So before I go to Maria, I, I do want to ask you, what has the last two years done for your business and, and your model? Have you oh my gosh, it has been, it has been such an interesting journey. Um, Certainly an accelerator, um, you know, the last year certainly has seen some changes in student consumer behavior. Um, I'm sure we'll unpack some of that today. Um, but I, I think, you know, um, even, even more so than previously, the last two years have been incredibly rewarding in really helping um, our university partners kind of think through um, what, what some may call a paradigm shift. There's a, a lot happening, um, both on the industry and workforce side, as well as on the academic side. And um, it's, it's, again, it's, it's a real honor to kind of be sitting in that intersection and, and helping our partners. I love it. Yeah, I bet you've never been busier um, than <laughs> you have been lately. Well, Maria, let's go over to you and tell us what is Course Tune? We build curriculum design software at Course Tune. If you want our one sentence elevator pitch, it's that we are the AutoCAD of learning design. We have a unique patented visual interface for viewing courses and programs and institutional goals and professional goals. And we can help people to find alignment gaps in their curriculum, to build more engaging student curriculum, take out their um, redundancies in curriculum that are unnecessary. Some redundancy in curriculum is necessary for good scaffolding, but some is unnecessary and, and drives students crazy. So we do our best to help enable faculty and staff to do the best job they possibly can at, at institutions of education and in the corporate sphere. Yeah, that was very um, a, a technical answer, which I, I I appreciate. But I know somebody that really appreciates it. That's my co-host Holly Owens. <laughs> Do you need me to translate? Yeah, hey, translate that world. for our audience, uh, everybody. <laughs> I understand every single thing Maria said, but for the audience members that don't understand things as well as I do, why don't you uh, give it give it for my friend over here? Give me the the short version. 
Well, I, well, I just want to say, cause I do work for academic partnerships as a senior instructional designer. And both of these ladies didn't give enough credit to themselves. So what we didn't ask them what they do. And we know Amanda, Amanda's my big boss and uh, Maria Corstoon just recently joined an acquisition last year. Um, and I've been using Corstoon and I have to say, I low-key stalked Corstoon prior to coming to academic partnerships because I was trying to convince my former boss that we needed that tool where we were working because we had so many gaps and so many programs and trying to figure out how to put all these outcomes together and align all these assessments. And I was just like, there's got to be something better out there that knows how to do this. And lo and behold, course tune. And I, you know, I kind of moved away from it because my boss said no, um, which was a big mistake. So uh, then I heard that AP was acquiring wow. course tune. I was so excited. I've been bugging all my coworkers to get access to it. Um, and then getting access to it and seeing all the stuff that it can do. And then in combination with what all the instructional designers do at academic partnerships, it's 100% like the best thing ever. Wow. Um, putting these two together. It's like fireworks going off at Disney world for the 50th. <laughs> oh my gosh. It's like, you're calling me out in my sound effects. I should have had uh, fireworks. <laughs> so, so Holly, why are we all here today? Well, tell us why we're all here. And then perhaps uh, the ladies can talk about that reason. Absolutely. We're here today to talk about what's happening in higher education and how technologies like Coursetune and companies like Academic Partnerships are helping institutions deal with the evolving educational landscape, which is a good thing. We talk about it sometimes. We see, you know, maybe in the press that it's negative, but it's really a great thing that's happening. People are recognizing that things need to change and that they should think they should change. So these two wonderful ladies are behind a lot of that change with their backgrounds and bringing in um, uh, educational technologies like Coursetune is going to so impact what we do as instructional designers, as educators, as faculty members, and figuring out what the students need when they need it and you know, providing relevance to the workforce. So we're here to talk about that. We're here to give you that insight. And, and uh, Amanda, uh, Academic Partnerships acquired Coursetune, correct? And, and why was that an important acquisition? Well, for a lot of the reasons that that Holly just um, showcased, um, first first and foremost, Maria and I go back a number of years. Our paths crossed. Uh, oh gosh, I don't know what's it been now. Like five years, at least five years ago. Um, I was working. Uh, I was vice provost of an institution out in Florida, and she and I got connected. And um, you know, even then. I, the same way that Holly just described, like fireworks. I, I remember seeing kind of the, the course tune, um, you know, functionality for the first time and the aesthetic um, and this really incredible way of visualizing outcomes across multiple programs and at a macro and kind of micro level. And um, I thought, you know, again, wow. From a, from a regulatory standpoint, from a quality standpoint, from a curriculum management standpoint, um, it was absolutely in my mind at that time, the future, like absolutely where we're headed. And um, it was just wonderful, uh, kind of the stars aligned and Maria and I got reconnected um, Christmas Eve of 2020, 2019, 2019. It all blends together. It all blends together. Like in the midst of a pandemic, it all blends together. In the midst of a pandemic, Christmas of 2020. It's COVID been, makes I us was going in years. for soldier, shoulder surgery like two days later. Yep. 
Well, and then it just seems like it yeah. seems like, like light years have passed since then. There's we've done so much and accomplished so much over the last year. Um, but we, we got reconnected and we started talking about um, shared goals, um, kind of where AP was and, and wanting to get ahead of, um, you know, a lot of um, the pieces that Holly was just kind of talking to, uh, shifts in workforce, um, shifts in student consumer behavior, understanding that there's an opportunity for the institution of higher education to evolve um, rapidly and, and the need to have tools and tool sets um, as Coruscant had developed that that can help university partners, program leaders, faculty um, start to think about their curriculum um, perhaps in a slightly different way, maybe see it certainly in a different way um, and as such be even better positioned to pivot um, into different types of offerings, um, which I think is a real implication of of course, tune and the and the tool set. It's interesting, um, Holly. What what uh, what do you think about all of that? I mean, you know, Amanda talks about course tune at that point being what the future looks like. You know, oh, is absolutely. that the case from it's your perspective? Learn. The 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 technology is going to continue to learn what we're doing, and it's going to be able to adapt to the gaps that we as humans don't are see. You know, like we know how we how we learn best. But not every student learns the same. And I know there's a big debate this for another episode of me and you, Joe, about learning styles and preferences and those different things. But we all learn in, at different speeds and we all learn in different ways. So like something like course tune that just puts stuff at the top level and then you descend into the specifics of what the program is trying to do. And then you go even further into the courses and you see where the things are missing and you can help the faculty because we all know that faculty have a challenge with pedagogy and understanding like thinking sometimes from the student perspective, this really helps with that. This helps mitigate those issues. And then you have these wonderful programs that align with what students' needs are, with what institutional needs are, with what accreditation things are, you know, all the different, different external factors that we deal with working in higher education, Joe. And that's the future of what's gonna be happening with technology is it's gonna continue to adapt to what our needs are. Well, here's one, one more thing I would add to that, yeah. if it's okay. And um, Joe, you talked about this uh, with Fierce Education a few months back. You and I had both joined one, uh, one of their board meetings. And um, it, it, you, know, you talked about how, again, that the offering um, is going to change, right? That, it, we could anticipate that universities are going to need to reconceptualize, um, you know, uh, delivery, um, and and it could take on a lot of different um, a lot of different models. Um, and and you know, you might get into things like short courses or um, upskilling, reskilling, and alternative credentials and boot camps and micro credentials and um, many many additional variations. Um, but if you can't see the competencies clearly, both on the workforce or industry side, as well as on the academic side, if you can't really conceptualize and, and really understand kind of where those competencies are um, falling across a particular program in relationship to a particular career or workforce pathway, it is incredibly difficult to think about re-swiveling those competencies to take a four-year degree or a two-year degree and turn it into 
a certificate or an alt credential um, or an on-ramp uh, or last mile um, offering that is tightly aligned to workforce and career. And I think right now, I mean, the, the student consumer behavior is telling us that this is on their mind now more than ever. Um, you know, whether it's Gen Z or whether it's returning teachers or nurses that are, are kind of rethinking their, their career pathways, um, the, the degree offering, um, the degree offering needs potentially to uh, kind of be re-swiveled in order to meet those needs. And, and again, I think CourseTune does just an unbelievable and very elegant um, uh, you know, it has a very elegant way of helping faculty program leadership, university stakeholders and decision makers see those programs and their curriculum and those competencies in new ways. Is re-swiveling a technical education term, Amanda? Or... 100%. Okay. I, 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 I very much enjoy it. The, the episode of the, the title of this episode may be re-swiveling your education. <laughs> Uh, Maria, what did, how did you see course tune enhancing what academic partnerships was doing at the time? You know, how do you guys even team up, you know, and when do you get together and say, we're going to take this to the next level through an acquisition and, and, you know, scale it. Let me actually take a step backwards from that and answer what I thought was going to be your question first, which was, how did you see course tune in the first place? And I think that then gets us to where, where you yeah. want to go. Where, where'd you come up with the idea at a cup of coffee and you just went, oh. Yeah, well, I think there's always been this issue in, in education, especially in ed tech and education, that um, a lot of the ed tech that's been developed has been developed around this very traditional model of there being a teacher and a schedule. And the problem with that is that a teacher and a schedule don't give us the kind of data we need around learning um, to actually make improvements to the science of learning, right? Um, so if you think about the LMS structure, it's all about the teacher and the schedule, right? Uh, so many of the online courseware programs, teacher and schedule, right? That, that's, that's where it falls. And we've been talking about learning analytics for more than a decade now, but most learning analytics is really just click analytics. How many times did somebody click on this page, on this course, on this quiz? How much time did they take, right? We have almost, in most ed tech programs, with the possible exception of some of the adaptive learning programs out there, we have almost no data on what was actually learned on a page, what was actually demonstrated in an assessment. And for those things to happen, you have to have a curricular backbone to seat everything on. And that, that was really the idea for CourseTune is to create that backbone where you have the, the actual course objectives or competencies, depending on your framework, the individual learning objectives and how they meet the course level objectives, the learning objectives and where they fall in the weeks or units or modules that are being taught. Um, and then to sit the activities on top of that, the learning activities and the assessment activities, to sit those on top of that structure so that every learning activity knows what learning objectives it has. And every assessment knows which learning objectives are being assessed so that the data coming out of those things now has meaning and that we can push the industry forward. 
Because if we don't have a backbone behind learning, we don't have learning analytics. All we have is attendance analytics. And that's not to say that we haven't done amazing things in education simply for, for having that low hanging fruit. But I think it's kind of a misnomer to call it learning analytics. We're not there yet. And so we built CourseTune because what I could see was that there was a need for a framework and that nobody could really hold this much information, even just for a single course in their head at one time. You had to have some way of looking at it that was new, that would let you see the whole picture at once. And then on top of that, to see the whole program at once and how it all connects together. So I think one of the things that's really valuable about seeing a program at once is that most faculty do not teach all the courses in the program. I'm sure there's one or two of you out there who have done it, and that's fantastic, kudos to you, but you probably haven't taught all the classes in the same semester. And so you can very easily lose track of what's happening in classes because you haven't taught them or you've never taught them or you're never going to teach them. And so sometimes, sometimes higher ed likes to talk about transparency and seeing the curriculum. We actually like to talk about visibility and seeing the curriculum that um, when, when faculty can see the entire program construction at once, what they're seeing is what the students see. The student is going through every one of those courses back to back to back, right? Or sometimes simul simultaneously. And they're seeing where there's redundancy and where you know, the same type of assessment is assigned over and over and over. For example, education programs where every single course has them write five lesson plans. That's great. That's a lot of experience writing lesson plans, but at some point there is more to teaching than writing lesson plans, right? And if every course defaults to that as their assessment, it's a really boring program to go through, right? So we want all the faculty to see the visibility into the student experience, to see what the students see. And they can only see that if they can see all the curriculum, right? So um, it's really important to have all that. And when Amanda and I talked about, um, you know, the vision for academic partnerships and you know, they have a, a component to their vision about um, you know, workforce relevant skills and quality in online education. And that's very much the same folks that we serve. They are very, in fact, we say the one thing all of our customers have in common is that somebody, some group of people at their institution has begun to care very deeply about the actual curriculum that's being taught. And that's, that's it, that's what our customers have in common. Whether they're in K-12 or higher ed or corporate, they, they care about that. And they, they want to know what's in the curriculum and they want to get better at, at designing it. They want to engage students better. They want to have streamlined curriculum so that students are, are getting the most bang for their buck. Streamlined doesn't mean less rigor. It just means you can teach more relevant content because you've taken out stuff that is no longer relevant. You've actually done the work. You've, you've condoed the curriculum, right? So um, anyway, so when Amanda approached us about you know, potential partnership and then what became an acquisition, um, it was a very natural fit. Wow. Lead Squared isn't only an enrollment CRM. It's a technology that will allow you to optimize your entire front-end student lifecycle by providing decision makers with real-time customizable dashboards. Forecasting, measuring, and optimizing for key activities will increase retention and revenue, 
and Lead Squared will lower technology costs simultaneously. Not only can Lead Squared align with existing admissions processes, but the technology will also help you innovate beyond what you thought was possible. The ability to access data on your phone will keep you connected, and when you add in the world-class customer service, Lead Squared transcends being a technology. It's an experience. Check them out at leadsquared.com. Wow, that's passion right there. Um, I can feel it coming through. And there's a lot of uh, it's truth what you're saying. And Holly, I'll kick over you because I feel like I'm monopolizing. No, it's okay. Um, <laughs> I'm used to it, Joe. <laughs> I know I have a bad but habit. I, I, I feel so grateful now because I get this insight and we get to share this episode with the AP team as well. And it just solidifies what I already thought about course June and Maria's team and, and what they're trying to do. And I feel like instructional designers and people that work with faculty have been screaming about this, you know, and nobody has been listening because like you said, the, the faculty are operating in their own little silos in their own little areas. And they don't know the teacher before them, or they don't know the teacher after them, but in programs that I teach in and people that have used course tune, they know all that. They know exactly what's expected of the students in the, in the next class so they can start preparing them with skills or knowledge that they need to be successful in that course. And that's what a good program does. And then after the program, there's that nice handoff into the workforce. Mm-hmm. So it's all coming together and it's all, I'm so excited. I, I probably can't, I'm probably talking really fast right now. All these <laughs> things are in my head that I want to say. But as a person who loves educational technology and a person that appreciates how much teachers and faculty put into this, I don't know what we would do without technologies like CourseTune that that just open our eyes up and say, this needs to change or you need to look at this better and do better for your learners. Because in education, to me, as a formally trained educator, that's what it's all about we get lost. We, you know, sometimes in, in trying to find different ways to do things. Like I always say, I love ed tech, but educational technology does not replace the faculty or the educator does not become before the pedagogy and looking at the curriculum and all these different things that impacts that. So this has to be something that's okay. I'm getting off my soapbox. Now. <laughs> sing it, Holly, sing it. <laughs> well, I, you know, I jump in and say, I mean, Holly, you're, you're better positioned than most being a, a, such a key part of our team and working so closely with faculty, helping uh, faculty, helping to facilitate um, the, our faculty's process and, and their design and their development and their curriculum. Um, Joe, I, I often mention this, um, you know, I, I share that AP academic services, the department that, that Holly and I both work in and for and, and with and beside our faculty, we are not in the business of developing curriculum on behalf of our faculty. We, we um, do not we do not take the curriculum in-house and, and develop that um, outside of uh, uh, faculty's support or leadership. Faculty are very much at the helm. They're very much in the driver's seat. The curriculum belongs very much to them. And our job is to help facilitate the highest quality practices. Um, and so again, this, this vision, and, and we're so excited, we're, we're rolling out our soft launch. We've got a handful of partners that we're already working with where we've offered a, a dedicated resource essentially to help import um, 
our, our partners kind of key data. So their institutional outcomes, their program outcomes, um, their course objectives on the front end um, during what we would call acad academic planning or academic program planning. So long before faculty are sitting in workshops or even starting to think about course development and design, we're getting this key data imported into the tool set so that when we get to workshops and, and the professional development that we kind of do on the front end to, to help faculty feel really confident and ready to design and develop, they're able to see, to Holly and to Maria's point, they're able to see where their course fits and where those competencies and those key assessments fit amongst their peers, amongst other faculty's courses, and how that progression of competencies um, or, or key assessments um, or key learning outcomes are progressing across the program. And that's so incredibly powerful so that when they get to designing and developing their course and our instructional designers are by their side helping to facilitate that process, they, they really can, can dial in on, on what's most important with an understanding of the macro, right? While they're working in, in their own curriculum and in their own course kind of at the micro level. Um, so again, just such yeah. a powerful enhancement to, you guys are all real smart. <laughs> well, um, you certainly get really excited. <laughs> yeah. So you get, get excited. And if you've listened, uh, just to transition quickly, if you've listened to the edup experience before, you know, that we like to ask a little bit of a curveball question that all three of you will have to answer. Cause Holly's never answered it. Uh, are you guys ready? Ready. ready. This is my game show transition music. Unfortunately, there is no money on the line today because we have none here at the Out of Experience. Um, I want to know what your entrance music is. What's your song that plays if you have to go out and give a commencement speech? What's the song that plays when you walk into your living room? It's your favorite song. It's the one that introduces you and Holly. I'm going to, unfortunately for you, go with you first so that Amanda and Maria can have a minute to think. Oh my goodness. That's such a hard question. Cause there's so you wouldn't believe it, but I go from everywhere to like hardcore rap to country music. Um, You're so I'm like it. across the, <laughs> I welcome all different genres. So I was thinking, cause my mom always used to play this, um, when she had like house parties and stuff is don't stop believing by journey. I think that would be my walkout music, but I always think about that when I go to baseball games is like, if I was a, a professional baseball player, what would be like my five seconds? And I think, I think don't stop believing really, you know, in this life and oh, things that have yeah. happened, that's going to be my walkout music. You're the second person, um, since I've started asking that question that picked that song, it's got a lot of meaning. It does. And you know what, probably over time, as I get older, it might change, but for now that's what it is. All right. Then we're going to go eeny, meeny, miny, mo. Amanda, you're next. I'm so bad at this game. I would be, I need like hours to think about this. <laughs> like any true academic taking longer than you do. No, I'm just kidding. Totally kidding. <laughs> hey, hey, hey. Um, I don't know, like something super upbeat and fun, like a, we will rock you or something, something loud and boisterous and fun and bringing the energy. I don't like it. We will rock you. I just saw Bohemian Rhapsody not too long oh, ago. Great movie. That's such a good movie. All right, Maria, you've had the longest to think about it, which means you're going to have the best answer. Not Afraid by Eminem. Ooh, well done. Why did you pick that, Maria? <laughs> well, I was ready. That's Why'd good. You pick that one? I'm typically the one who uh, riles up the audience to like, 
do crazy things uh, in their curriculum or on their campuses. I, I've, I've been known for disrupting very, various delegate assemblies at conferences and uh, proposing radical changes to the uh, board that then have to happen because the whole delegate assembly heard it. So <laughs> they're not afraid is appropriate. Well, there's going to be a lot of energy going over there on over there at academic partnerships with uh, We Will Rock You and Not Afraid. It's going to be uh, just a crazy time. Holly, you want to jump in with any questions? You want me to keep going? I do. No, you're doing great. You're such a wonderful host, and I love being on the show with you. We should definitely do this more, do this often, more often. In yeah, you, I feel like you don't invite me over to your show that often. You know, I'm going to have to talk about that. <laughs> no, but I feel like I want to inv be invited on these trips. <laughs> that you're going on I know. Uh, to all these wonderful places. But what I, I want to ask um, Amanda and Maria is as being experts in this area of higher education and the, the work that you've been doing, what are some of the challenges you see? I know it's, it's all in the media, but as you as individuals, and we'll start with Maria now, what are you seeing in higher ed, the challenges they're facing and how is AP and course tuning, how are we working, you know, to address them? So Maria, which, what are your thoughts? I think one of the obvious challenges is uh, teachers leaving education right now, whether it's K-12 or professors, or um, I think there's a real feeling of sadness and frustration for a lot of teachers. Um, and then we're also seeing it in health professionals too, right? Where they're burnt out, they're tired, they are trying to figure out what their new careers are gonna be. And certainly um, we, we can come in and provide you know, help to schools for you know, how do they spin up new curriculum to reskill those folks and other careers and all that. It doesn't solve the bigger problem though, which is you know, the exodus of, of people from these, these industries. That's kind of like the obvious, I think, issue that we're seeing. I think there's a, a an issue kind of sitting under the surface in education that is not as obvious, but it's the next thing that's going to hit our country and 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 other countries in terms of education, which is that I don't think that many of our educational structures are really ready to skill students for an AI empowered workforce. I mean, we've barely managed to start scratching the surface on skilling students for a technology-enabled workforce. I mean, very few people acknowledge the existence of smartphones in the workplace, right? In the workplace their students will go into, um, let alone AI or remote work. I mean, think about you know, for those of you listening, have you adjusted your curriculum yet for the fact that, you know, like such a large percentage of the workforce now works from home? Are you teaching them skills to like work from home successfully? Are you still teaching them skills to work in an office successfully? Because now we need both, right? And then, you know, there's, but I think AI is going to be the next wave of this. I think um, about, I don't know, 15 years ago, 20 years ago when we started to see e-business, you know, really start. We had individual classes on e-business, right? When we saw social media hit, we had individual classes on social media. All this stuff gets baked into the curriculum now, right? 
there is no e-business class anymore. If you don't use the internet and use apps, your business is sunk probably. Hey right? kids, it's the internet. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but I think we're going to see that with AI. We're going to start off with like a class here and there about AI, but before you know it, AI is going to have to be part of all of the curriculum. And if you're picking off the, the lower level skills and sending them to computers, that means that we have to take students and launch them into the workforce at a higher cognitive level than we used to. That's going to be the next thing that hits us. Yes. Oh my gosh. If I didn't love you before, Maria, I just love all the things that you're saying now. Amazing. Amazing. <laughs> you know what? I want to, I want to share something funny that happened last night. Um, I was at my grandparents' house and this has a little bit to do with technology and they have everything tech set up. I have, you know, Alexa enables their lights and their Christmas lights and their whatever their TVs and all that stuff. And last night we changed something for my grandmother. She's 80 years old and she's yikes, always yikes, been open yikes. to change. Yes. And last night we changed something on her TV and she was not happy about it. And my grandfather, who's 81, goes, welcome to the 21st century, Ruby. And she goes, I don't like it here. <laughs> so I feel like that is analogous to what we experience sometimes in the setting when new things happen, it takes such a long time for education to catch up. So a lot of that, what you're saying, Maria, now, you know, Amanda, I want to hear your thoughts about this. What are these challenges and what are we going to be doing at AP and CourseTune and, and helping to address these challenges? Well, Maria and I did not powwow before this, uh, before this meeting, but we're very aligned on, on her response. Um, I feel very, very strongly about the same. And I think she was very eloquent in how she described, um, you know, just the, the notion that education in general, you could, you could say across levels and sectors is, is perhaps, um, not prepared and, or might struggle to pivot as quickly as, we're going to need to pivot to meet a very dramatically changing workforce. Um, and it's interesting because I jotted down some notes earlier today, just kind of thinking about this call. And there was a um, white paper that was published on January 6th um, from the University of Phoenix, and it was on um, recru recruiting and retraining, uh, recruiting and retaining K-12 teachers um, post-pandemic. Um, and it talks about how 48% of prospective students thinking about going into teaching are apprehensive because they don't know what their future holds. They don't know what the career is going to look like. They don't know what technology they're going to need to be successful. Um, they're not sure that the, the infrastructure and kind of the operations of, um, of the K-12 system is, is in a place to um, continue to pivot and or stabilize. Um, and you know, this paper kind of captures um, some of these pieces and it just really highlights how important it's going to be for industry and the institution, academia, the university, K-12, education across levels and sectors to be working hand in hand. Um, and again, I think, you know, it's kind of what I was saying on the front end of this call is it starts with really understanding what what concepts and skills um, goals are needed in order to ensure students are ready for what's next. Um, and it's going to need to happen quickly, right? And we're gonna need tools that allow us to, to think quickly and to pivot curriculum quickly to re-swivel. 
We're gonna, throw that, we're gonna throw that one in there in here one more time. Um, oh, by the way, we don't pay teachers anything. I mean, you wanna you wanna change that? It's double their salaries, and then that will change the whole thing, and then people will go into teaching. But I don't know who the heck is making decisions out there, but somebody's gonna figure it out eventually. Well, I think you know. Again, I think I you know organizations like AP and and of course Tune were just really passionate about empowering um, educators, helping to facilitate, helping educators to create and curate um, the next gen of curriculum, starting with what they have today. Right. Yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, as you guys know, um, we, I say, we, um, I like to ask two final questions to every guest and, um, I'm going to ask you first, Maria, um, what did I miss about course tune? What needs to be said about course tune? Plug away anything you want to say events you're going to things new up and coming things, anything, anything, anything. And the same question will go to you, Amanda for academic partnerships. And then Maria, you can answer what the future of higher education is going to look like. So what, do, what didn't we say about course tune? And what's the future of higher ed look like? And then Amanda, same, same two to you. I think the one thing I didn't get to say about course tune is that it acts as a really nice mediator between faculty and instructional designers and, and deans because it presents the information so clearly and in a way that we've intentionally designed so that it looks off balance when the, when the construction of curriculum is off balance you can see that things are missing when there are things missing. And it actually teaches faculty how to do better design without them having to do any additional reading or research or just, just using the tool has this tendency to, to help them into a better, a better place, a better place that's gonna be an improvement for their students. Um, so I guess that's what I would, add there. And what do you see as the future of higher education, Maria? You know, if I told you, I'd have to kill you. Please don't. <laughs> kill Holly and then let me live. But what? give us your best prediction. I mean, I think I, I have some predictions for things I'd like to see, but I'm not going to share them because if I shared them, then I wouldn't be able to go build them. Good answer. We prefaced that question on my show about the, these last two questions don't violate any NDAs. So I, I was just say, I don't think we're under any I have NDAs. to violate some NDAs <laughs> and you know, we're being watched right now by every, you know, people and stuff. So they don't want to, we don't want to share our secrets. We want to. Okay. Okay. All right. So, so then let's, let's get the broad stroke, Amanda. Well, um, uh, what didn't we say about academic partnerships and what are your views on the future of higher ed? I think one thing I just I, I really want to highlight for everyone listening um, is that um, you know quality is so important to what we do, but at the heart of um, of everything, um, our support for institutions, uh, program leadership, faculty is equity um, and expanding access, um, helping to lower tuition costs, helping to lower student debt, um, and helping to um, you know, reskill um, students so they're ready for the workforce that awaits. Um, and in terms of what's next for higher ed, Maria and I are working on it. 
<laughs> we'll stop the recording and then I'll re ask you. And you can tell me all your secrets. Um, no, I think I think we talked a lot about about the key themes, the key pieces. Um, I fundamentally believe that you know five plus years from now, um, I think the institution of higher ed as we know it is going to be much more diversified in terms of its offerings, and I think we're going to see that um, not just in some sectors um, or within some institutions, but I think it's going to become a part of the new normal. Um, I think it's going to have to be. And, um, and again, I know that, that Marie and I both are so committed to helping educators, um, and facilitating, helping our, our educating partners, um, get there. education partners. I got tongue tied there at the end. That sounds good. <laughs> Well, there you have it. Holly, what'd you think of all this business today with Course Tune and Academic Partnerships? I think I get to live it every day. So it's a good thing for me. And it's a nice way to reinforce what I'm doing daily. When I meet, when I met with those frustrations with some of these faculty who um, push back on some things that I do and they don't realize what's coming down the line and what we have the capability of doing in education as we propel forward into the second decade of or the third decade, I guess it is, of the 21st century. Um, so this just reinforces why I work with AP and why technologies like Coursetune exist and why I love EdTech so much because, you know, what, what are we doing if we're not working towards a better world for our students and future generations? It's so great to see. It's so great to see. Well, thank you for coming and co-hosting with me. You're welcome. Holly. Um, it's always a pleasure to have you anytime you want to come hang out with me over here at the Edup Experience podcast. Of course, please, please head to Apple, wherever you get your podcast and follow Edup EdTech too. You know you want to. And frankly, Holly interviews some of the most forward thinking people in higher education at the front end of technology. And if you miss this stuff, then you basically, if, you, if you're not listening to Holly's podcast, you're basically saying, I don't want to know what's going on. Right, Holly? Right, right. Definitely. You don't want to know what's going on at tech and all these wonderful things that are being created. Hit up the EdUp experience first and then go right to EdUp at tech. All right, there you go. Well, my, um, my guests today uh, were pretty incredible. The passion was just flying. Um, and uh, the, the song that was playing in the background are songs where we will rock you and not afraid by Eminem. So it's going to be a party over there at Academic Partnerships, <laughs> apparently. Uh, here they are, ladies and gentlemen, as I queue up my applause because they deserve a big one. Maria Anderson, she's general manager and CPO at Course Tune. And of course, Dr. Amanda Lynn Smith, chief academic officer at Academic Partnerships. Thank you, ladies. Thank you. Well, Holly, you know I like to say it now, um, and I'm going to say it again. Ladies and gentlemen, you've just ed upped. The Lead Squared integrated CRM functionality will put your institution at the front end of marketing and enrollment strategy by delivering a streamlined admissions process. Capture student interest, segment your audience, create student engagement workflows, and even integrate with your student information system to create longitudinal key performance metrics you've always wanted. You can do all of this and lower your technology costs. Check out leadsquared.com for more info.